Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. I want to just jump in right away to this morning's talk. And I was talking to a grandmother in our church uh, last week. And uh, through the lowering of restrictions and abilities to have backyard stuff and things like that, uh, her small bubble of her daughter and her son uh, came over uh, on Sunday, on a Sunday lunch, and her grandkids. And for the first time in a long time, they were kind of all in the same backyard together. And uh, her grandkids were swimming in the pool. And one of her grandkids, just like with exuberant joy, just shouted out, it's Sunday at grandma's again. And it was like, it just filled her heart. She was telling me this over the phone. I like almost started to cry just to kind of hear her love and joy that her family and those that she hasn't been able to really spend time with freely were all in her backyard and just seeing the joy of, of her kids and her grandkids. We're in this series that we're, where we're trying to identify and bring hope to areas that have left some pressure on us during the pandemic. And we've talked about mental health, and last week we talked about social crises and how do we lean into that. And today I want to talk about the pressures of our relationships, uh, how the pandemic has either, um, you know, maybe created some pressures or maybe exposed some already existing pressures. There was an article on the BBC uh, in the UK, and they, they wrote about the extreme increase in relationship crises going on in China uh, post-pandemic. And they quoted one wife saying these words. She said, after the pandemic, the first thing I want is a divorce. And they, they, they're just seeing this increasing you know, pressure on relationships going on. And so much of the relational crisis, I think we're seeing from two places. And you can maybe add uh, you know, a reason or a cost to this. But one of them is exclusion, where people are feeling excluded. They're feeling lonely. They're feeling all by themselves. And the other one is also intrusion, where people might feel crowded, right? Like with, with just the same people all the time. And we have a couple of families here. Maybe you've only spent the last seven... 15 months with those people and you get like to on each other's nerves or something and there's probably good stories and bad stories my wife by the way she's she tends to be claustrophobic she'll tell you that and so um smothering is not something that she loves and i can attest that she loves me but she'll hit me if i smother her not literally uh but you can tell and so sometimes i take advantage of this and i lean in for she's sitting here today i lean into this smothering moment and it drives her crazy she just can't take that we still friends honey awesome thank you um sometimes there's cracks in our relationships because of intrusion where where we're just the last 15 16 months we're just with the same group of people and we, we say this at Westside a lot, that we need rhythm and rest in our lives, in, in how we do ministry, in, in how we go about our week, in practicing Sabbath. Well, there's been the same people that we've often spent time with over the last several months, and we also need rhythm and rest from life and relationships. I don't mean separating from those people. But I mean, regardless if you're married or not, or uh, just with a close-knit of friends, we can't have healthy lives just talking to the same people over and over again, we need a healthy amount of space, either silence and solitude from, in our day, or maybe just a, a little bit of variety. And the pandemic has forced so many people to see just a few people 
over and over and over again. And that's maybe one of the cracks of intrusion. Now, some of you have shared stories of how your families and a few friendships have grown, which is amazing. But there's a whole slew of people who have recognized that without that healthy rhythm and rest, there's some things also cracking. Another, another kind of like demonstration of this crack with intrusion is we start using people for our stress relievers because we have nobody else. So we yell at the same people and we let our frustration out at the same people. Everyone needs to relieve stress. Everyone needs to let out some steam. But too often what happens is, I don't know about you, but this happens, right? We end up lashing out on the people that are most familiar to us, the people that we see the most often. And it's not because our stress is their fault. It's because we're hoping indirectly, we don't tell them this, but we're hoping they're going to help us with the stress that we're feeling. Now, most of us rarely do this with the local cashier at IGA or Maxi, but we lash out to our kids. Why? Why does that happen? Because so often when we're with the same people over and over again for months and months, this familiarity grows. And sometimes in our need to release stress, we lash out on the wrong people. Well, actually, we shouldn't lash out on anybody, but they get the brunt of it. And this is pouring over, poured over into marriages so much in the last 15, 16 months. There's an article I read. Um, one expert talks about the four horsemen of relationships uh, in a marriage and negative, four negative things that contribute to a marriage. And uh, they write this, that criticism, contempt, d- defensiveness, and stonewalling are all kind of all together become the four horsemen. The four horsemen is like an analogy from the book of Revelation where these maybe bad things will happen. And so the four horsemen, criticism, contempt, defensiveness, stonewalling. And experts say that those four things together will lead to divorce in five to six years. Now, COVID has accelerated that has made four to four to five, six years has squished that into 14 or 16 months because of the, the, the cracks or exposing maybe some things that have already been going on in some relationships. Those are some of the things that the cracks because of intrusion. Here's some of the cracks because of exclusion or social exclusion. One is a lot of our relationships that were normal to us became long, long distance. Even those of you guys here in this room, you know, We've, uh, some of us, not all of us, have talked through FaceTime or Zoom calls or Zoom workshops. And some of our closest relationships that we would just hang out with or spend some time with or take a walk with started to look like our relationships out in British Columbia or San Francisco or another part of the world because the only way we were able to talk to people was through our phone or through an email or through other, some kind of technology. And what's happened is that we, some non-family and peripheral relationships have lost touch and with this inability to keep nurturing that. And I wrote this phrase out, you know, out of sight, out of mind, right? Well, I just added one more, out of sight, out of mind, out of my life. If, if someone's out of sight for, for a while, they're going to be out of your mind sooner or later and eventually they'll be out of your life. And so many of us have been feeling the cracks of our relationships because of this social exclusion. And some relationships have been watered down. Some are in hibernation mode. And the hope is that they wake up from hibernation mode. But it would be sad if many of our dormant relationships never wake up. Some of that social exclusion has led to that. Here's one crack from exclusion that I think is really important and I think many people are feeling 
And it's also been related to other negative things in our lives. And it's the reduced access to wisdom. Now, I, I mean, I love seeking input from people and listening to people and, and also sh talking with teams and others as a, as a sounding board. But many of us have made decisions over the last year without the wisdom of, of peers, without the wisdom of a community. One of the Proverbs, Proverbs 15.22 says, without counsel, plans go wrong, but with many advisors, they succeed. In other words, there's, there's wisdom, there's, there's uh, some direction, input, maybe even a sounding board when there's many counselors, but remove, remove the counselors and you also potentially remove the collective wisdom or the accountability that we, we receive from, the, from, like, from these people, from our friends, from our church, from our community group, from uh, conversations that we have. C consider this, that there's been decisions made in this last year without the advice of a good friend, without the advice of a coworker, without maybe telling this to someone and hearing like, is this a bad idea? Am I going off the rocker here? Like, am I, am I, should I be considering other things? Maybe without the, uh, talking with a, a pastor or a spiritual leader, and there's been decisions made over the last year, and some of them have been, well, have been bad decisions. And because here's the thing, advice often comes in spontaneous occasions. How many times after a, after a church gathering, I've heard someone tell me, you know what, after church, I hung out with this person, we talked for a few minutes, I shared with them what I was walking through, man, they gave me this perspective I didn't have before. Now, the reality is, is we don't seek that out. It happens spontaneously. We might not think, I'm going to call this person to talk to them about this thing. Or when you're at work and you're like, hey, why don't we go grab lunch, and you're taking a walk and you're sharing something, all of a sudden there's input or wisdom brought back. And advice often comes in these spontaneous occasions, but when you lose the occasions, we usually don't have the motivation to reach out for that wisdom. And so then we lose the wisdom. And I, I think if we took a survey of 100 of our friends, there's people who've gone into debt, there's people who've fallen into dangerous patterns there's marriages that have been broken or fallen into divorce because there was no voice of caution in their lives there was no voice of caution in their lives i said earlier that the bbc mentioned that china had this increase of um, alarming relationship crisis and so china passed a law just recently in january 2021 and it's called a cooling off period They've, they've created this official legal cooling off period because they've seen divorces that have been initiated just increasing at alarming rates after COVID. And they're worried. They're like, we're going we're gonna to break the fabric of society here if this keeps going. So they instituted a 30-day reflection window to stop people to put a pause on any decision on a divorce for 30 days. It's become law. It's like, okay, you want a divorce? Wait, come talk to us in 30 days. Sleep on it. Think about it. Talk to a friend, whatever. Because they've recognized that without, you know, people are cracking in the middle of this and they need time to think and reflect. And I think they also need people in their lives to speak wisdom. And here's the problem. See, you and I, if we're given the choice, we will seek out advice that affirms our decisions, not that confronts them. So some people that will, will you know, want to move into something that's going on like a divorce, and I know that there's complex situations, and we're not here this morning to talk about all the complexities and when these things are the, are the right move or not, but usually we'll seek out advice that 
affirms our decision. So people will agree with us. Yes, you should do that. Yes, that's the right thing to do. Yes, you should buy this car. You deserve it. Even though it's $400 above your monthly budget. You deserve it. You need to be in it. Yes, you should break up. You should cancel this whole marriage. You know, you should just be free. It sucks. I've been free for two years. You know, like, so we usually seek out these people that will affirm our decisions. But community gives us access to input that helps make better decisions. Like that proverb says, among many counselors, there's wisdom. So what has this pressure revealed like over the last little while? What's it, maybe things that have been developed in the last 15 months, but maybe things that have been exposed because you, we went into the pandemic with cracks and it's exposed it. Or maybe we went into the pandemic feeling strong, but the pandemic with the pressure of it just created certain cracks in our relationships. I think it's revealed a couple of things for me. It's revealed that relationships take work and take nurture and take intentionality. You've heard the phrase, right? Like the grass is greener on the other side. I love the phrase that says the grass is greener where you water it. And there's this part in my lawn, actually. I have like this sprinkler that like, you know, does the kind of swipe of the lawn. And I'm on a corner lot and I've like... I've I found the perfect spot to do like my whole like yard like right up into my car. It's awesome. But there's two trees in the way. <laughs> and so, you know, it's not a perfect scenario, right? And it's the weirdest thing. After a couple of weeks, I noticed that this like angle where the water never hits is like a darker, weirder green than the nice, like beautiful green that the other one is. And I'm like, what's up with that? And then I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a sprinkler. It's true that like the water is not getting that part of the grass. And so like I'm figuring out ways to, to manage that and mitigate that. But that's just the grass issue. Don't worry about that. But it's, it's true in life, right? It's true in like relationships. The grass is greener where you water it. This pandemic has revealed that relationships take work. They take time. They take nurture. It's also revealed that left to ourselves, many of us, humanly speaking, we risk making decisions that can be selfish and individualistic rather than thinking of the whole picture. Not always, but sometimes. It's revealed this. This is kind of, this thought came to mind. Friends are not like Netflix. What do I mean by that? I mean that friendship isn't subscription-based. You're not just like paying a subscription every month, and then you're like, you're kind of bored one night, and like, "Mm, I'm going to watch this show. And you're kind of bored one night and say, like, let me check my friendship subscription. Like, who can I call? It's not like that. It, friendships need nurture. Friendships are not just, the, if, if we haven't nurtured them or, or, or we're distant from them, it's not on demand like the, like the crown on Netflix. It's not on demand like the next movie that just popped up. We need to actually nurture those relationships and then those relationships nurture us because nurture is mutual. So friendship can't be turned on and off like Netflix. These last two things that, that have come to mind for me thinking about this is that Community or isolation are habitual as much as they are natural. And I'm going to share an example about this, but community or isolation are habitual. So whether you're, you're building community or you're experiencing community or experiencing isolation, sometimes it's just natural occurrences, things in your life, circumstantial, but I really also believe it's habitual. And this, this plays with this as well. Fatigue and emotional exhaustion pulls us away from people rather than close to people. And so maybe it's not our relationships 
that are, are the root cause of what's going on in our relationships, but maybe it's the fatigue and emotional drain that so many of us are feeling in the middle of this pandemic. And so it's leading from, to us pulling away rather than pulling close. I was on a call, a Zoom call with um, a few pastors that are part of our denomination that we're a part of, and we end up chatting every few months. And one guy, we were talking about like kind of like re-entry into this, you know, post-COVID stuff. And, and one pastor, he's, he, he said this, like he felt shame about it. And he said, you know, I don't know why I feel like this, but I've been invited to go hang out with some friends and I'm actually dreading it. And he said, my, uh, some neighbors of ours invited us over for a backyard get-together. And he said, that's like a beautiful opportunity to be present with my neighbors, to be, for the gospel to be present, for me to be incarnational with the kingdom of God. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm actually dreading it. I'm actually anxious. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm an extrovert. I, I normally have been an extrovert. I've normally, you know, I, I would like live for opportunities to meet some neighbors. I would, I'd live for opportunities to hang out with people. And all of a sudden, I'm, I feel like I'm dreading it. And he was so surprised and feeling a bit of shame for him. I'm like, listen, like, and to all of us, like, let's give each other grace. But this goes back to this point that community and isolation are habitual as much as they are natural. And fatigue and emotional drain pull us away from people rather than drawing us close. And what's been happening is that his habits, not intentionally, the pandemic has made us stay like, just like this, right? So the habits and the patterns that we've created over the last 15 months have now moved over into our desires and motivations. And it's drawing us away rather than drawing us close. It's pulling us further rather than bringing us closer. And so his habits and his fatigue began to reshape his desires and reshape his motivations. And many of us now are coming out of this pandemic with newly shaped desires and newly shaped motivations. And we're asking ourselves, why do, why do I feel like this? And part of it is because our habits and patterns many of them forced upon us, are now shaping what we want and desire. And that's going to mean like, wow, we're going to have to recognize that. So as we've been doing the last few weeks, and Brett started us off a couple of weeks ago, taking this kind of body and mind and soul approach to these crises, um, I want to lean into to something that I believe is holistic. And there was a book I read a couple of years ago called The Search to Belong. It was written by a guy named Joe Myers. And uh, he wrote it actually for the church, but he leaned into some social, social data, psychological data, and he described f four relational spaces that we all live in or that we all kind of use and, and, and understand as humans. And it's kind of four things, and the quadrant will be on the screen uh, or watching at home on the screen. So he divided into four. So one was public, where we exist in spaces uh, where we're like 12 feet or more apart from, from other people. Think like big spaces. Think I'm walking down downtown think I'm going to Centennial Park there's a ton of people there but you know they're far from me but I'm in this big crowd that's a public space a social space is like four to twelve feet apart from people maybe that's like even like outside in the parking lot you're chatting with a couple of people but a few people are further away from you you could be standing but you still know you're kind of maybe in this there for the same reason maybe you go watch a concert or you're in a jazz club and you're you're with people you don't know them but you're you're with them and so there's this social aspect 
And then there's the personal space, which is 18 inches to four feet apart from people. Now you're getting closer. Now you're having conversations. Now it's like I'm hanging out with my coworker for lunch. And then there's intimate uh, space, zero to 18 inches. Now, of course, zero is very close. I don't recommend that all of your uh, relationships will be that close. But there are obviously some intimate relationships that way. But then the 18 inches is even like, hey, if Billy's here, he's here. You can't see him on the screen, but he's here. And he's standing across the table. And we're just having a, sharing a drink together and we're talking. That could be like we lean in to listen to each other, to share with each other. That could also be that. And what Joe Meyer said, and, or the, the research shows, is that life and your and my relational health needs all these spaces. We need the public, the social, the personal, and the intimate. But you know what this pandemic has done? This pandemic has forced us away from the public, away from the social, and we're basically forced us to live in the intimate and partly in the, in the personal. That's where it's forced us to live. It's forced us to live in that. Now, what's even worse, what's even worse is that not everyone even has intimate connections. So where the pandemic has forced them to be intimate and personal, and someone says, I don't even have intimate connections, so I can't even exist even in this space. Some people struggle with, with having healthy personal relationships, but the only ones available to us for the last 15 to 18 months has been that intimate and personal space and we even haven't been able to have the spontaneous personal spaces that come from the social and the public. The pandemic has, life has restricted us to that. And we recognize that. Uh, there's a few guys in our church community involved in business where we were praying together over the pandemic on Thursday mornings. And we were sharing this idea a little bit. And one of the guys said, you know, it dawned on him. He said, it's true. There's, I, I walked into a grocery store. And I met a friend that I haven't seen in so long, and I would have never reached out to them. And we just stood there for 15 minutes and talked, and I realized, like, I have no opportunity for those conversations these days. And he recognized how much he needed that. But he was in a social space that gave him a spontaneous opportunity for a personal space. And if both of those spaces weren't happening at the same time, he would have missed out on the personal There was an article in the Atlantic Monthly over the last year that, that said this very thing. And it told us that with remote working and Zoom calls and FaceTime chats and, and, and being separated the way we've been separated, they sp basically said, we don't even know what we've been missing. We don't even know what we've been missing. Like, like this guy who walked into the grocery store, didn't, he wouldn't have remembered that he missed this relationship. He wouldn't have it wouldn't have dawned on him because it's not the most important relationship in his life, but it is a relationship. And he, 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 it came to him, he's like, I didn't even recognize that I missed this kind of conversation. And so the article said, we don't know what we've been missing. And it stated this crazy fact that blew me away. That in the last 50 years, 54% of marriages started at work. Started at work. You know what happens today at work with Zoom calls? We, we do our meeting, and we're like, end meeting, and we leave. No one has a post-meeting discussion. No one has a, we're, we're both at the water fountain discussion. No one has a, oh, let's go grab a coffee for lunch, uh, for, you know, during lunch or something. 54% of marriages started at work in the last 50 to 60 years. What does that say about what, what, what these spaces provide for us? These marriages didn't start during the PowerPoint presentation, right? They, they didn't start during the, you know, across from the production line. 
you know. They, they, didn't, they didn't start there. No, no, they started on the, the casual moments outside of the meetings, outside of the work. And see, you and I, we crave, humanly and spiritually, we crave to thrive in all four spaces, not just the one or two. And we need all the four spaces to feed off each other. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says man, and the word for man in Hebrew is Adam. So it's not just a man, it's the word for human. It says the man or the human was not meant to be alone. That small line in Genesis is not saying that the opposite of alone is merely intimate. That the opposite of alone is merely marriage. That the opposite of alone is is merely two or three inches or ten inches apart from each other. No, 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 no. It's saying that the opposite of alone is community. Is all four spaces. The intimate, the personal, the social, the public. What amazes me as I read through the Gospels, and you're noticing today like Dave hasn't actually read a biblical text. He's just talking a lot. Um, but we have read some scripture. And I combed through some gospel uh, stories and noticed that Jesus engaged all four spaces. It's amazing. There's one story, um, and you'll see the references on the screen. You can read them later. One story in Matthew chapter 8 where this Roman centurion comes to Jesus in a crowd of people. It's a public space, crowd of people. And he tells Jesus, he, he, he interrupts Jesus like, I have a servant at home, they're suffering, they're sick, will you come heal him? And Jesus is like, I'm on my way, I'll go heal him. And the centurion says, no, don't worry about it. Don't come to my house, you just say the word. I believe you can heal him from here. And Jesus didn't say, no, 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 no. This requires an intimate space. (laughs) I'm gonna come to your house. No, he's like, oh, okay, in the moment, Jesus interacts in that public space and heals his servant from a distance. Now, that's Jesus. That's awesome. He can do that. But what I loved about this is that Jesus didn't leave the public space to meet this person's need. He he engaged him in the public space. He interacted with him in the public space. The complete opposite takes place in Luke chapter 19 when Jesus is called, he notices this, this guy named Zacchaeus, a tax collector, is up on a tree looking for when Jesus comes in the crowd and he gets Jesus' attention and Jesus tells him specifically, I must stay at your house today. In other words, that moment, the public and social space wasn't the best thing. So Jesus is like, I'm going to come stay at your house today. And Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus into his personal space. They move from public, social, to personal. Right? And so that's really important to see that now Jesus takes that step and intentionally, for whatever reason, for that moment, he needed to have a real conversation at length. Whatever was going to happen with Zacchaeus could not happen in the public. It needed to be more personal. It needed to be more intimate. And so Jesus goes from public to personal, from social to intimate. You read the Sermon on the Mount. Where does it take place? Jesus is speaking to a crowd on a mountainside. They're not like four around a table doing one-on-one discipleship. Jesus is actually speaking to a crowd of people. The disciples are close, but the crowd is further away. And so here's Jesus speaking in a public space to a crowd of people on the hillside, sharing one of the most famous sermons, 
most important pieces of scripture we have in the Gospels. And something different takes place after the resurrection where Jesus is on the road and he finds himself with two people on the way back to their town, Emmaus. And he's, he meet, he's talking with them on the road. And something happens and they invite him in to their personal space. And they sit around the table and they break bread. And as they break bread, and as Jesus explains the scriptures to them, there, this revelation of who Jesus is takes place. And Jesus enters the personal, even intimate space of breaking bread with these two people. There's a bunch of examples like this in Jesus' life that you can comb through. And it'd be a great way to read the Gospels the next time you do and like kind of circle social, public, personal, intimate, and see how Jesus moves in all these spaces and how they interact with each other and how they give opportunity for the other spaces as well. And this is the point, that all these spaces are important in the life of Jesus. Human and spiritual needs are met in all of them because they all matter. They're all important. And they're all filled with opportunity. And they all serve a different purpose. And they all, for different people and different seasons and different needs. And what I love about this, and we see it in the life of Jesus, and you notice it in your own experience, they overflow into each other. They overflow into each other. There was someone who's here today, actually, was um, here several weeks ago. They were both volunteering, I think, and they didn't see each other for ages. And they both live in the same municipality, off-island. And I left the parking lot, and they were still talking. And this person later in the week said, I stayed a whole hour after church talking to this guy. And both our families are like, when are we going to leave, guys? Because they came into a social space, they somehow moved into a personal space, and then literally, 18 or 20 inches apart on the wall, they're talking outside, just talking, talking. I don't know if that broke the social distance rules, but, but <laughs> whatever. The point is that the, we move. These spaces give opportunity for the other spaces. And why am I saying this? Because we need to see how we as people need all these spaces. And here's how I'm going to close today. Just, just three big ideas really, really fast. The first one is, like, what are we going to do with this? We know what we're feeling. We know what we're experiencing. And maybe not just us. We're seeing other people in our lives, other people in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. How can we help them? Well, the first thing is we need to recognize if anything has changed in us. My, my pastor friend who said, who is, who is so anxious about seeing people or going into a backyard, that's like him to stop and say, wait a second, what has changed in me? And I think that's the first thing we need to do to just recognize, is, has there been new habits or patterns in the last 15 months that has shaped my desires for good or bad? Has there, have I gone through extreme fatigue or emotional drain that have led me to isolation, to, to want isolation more? What new desires or motivations have I developed? And then ask yourself this question and take some time to pray about it. Open a journal. Be silent with the Lord. Ask the Lord to show you this. And ask, do I feel like me? Do I feel like this is the person God has been shaping me to be? This has, by the way, this has nothing to do with you being an extrovert or an introvert. Trust me, it's okay. You can be introverted. You can be extroverted. 
all these spaces matter. You can engage them in the way you're wired. So no, I'm not telling you to become one or the other. This has nothing to do with someone who's more quiet becoming loud or someone who's an introvert becoming an extrovert. But recognize it. Take some time. Journal through it. Read through the Gospels and see these other spaces. Ask the Lord, Lord, where am I at these days? Has the pandemic changed me? The next thing to do is to, is to just consider what reintegration looks like. And let's learn from Jesus. Let's learn how Jesus interacted with people on all four levels. And of course, as restrictions begin to decrease, as things begin to change within reason, within health guidelines, what does this look like? So how can we slowly integrate life into these four spaces? And here's the reason why. I'm not telling you this because I want you to be in church. That's great. I'm not telling you that, you know, these guys are watching from home. It's like Dave is just saying to come to the social, social space again so we can fill this space up. That's not, that's not why I'm saying this. We're saying this because of your own health and the health of other people around you. That's why we need this. Because health in one space overflows to health in another space. And one space gives opportunity for another space. And one space helps you also recognize the need for the other space. Brett mentioned that there's a huge disturbing statistics that men from the age of 40 to 60 and now teenagers are some of the loneliest people on the planet. Some of the loneliest people on the planet. If you're, and I'll just give an example, if you're a married man and you have no friends, do you think that helps or hurts your marriage? You might say, well, the best thing for my marriage is me just to be with my wife. Yes, obviously. But the man who has little support and little friendship outside of marriage, is, that's probably worse for his marriage, not better for his marriage. And so these four spaces are for your health, for my health. And Jesus shows us that they, that they, that they matter. And then the last thing is this, and this is just a simple step. And I love how, how Brett encouraged us with this in, mental, in the area of mental health. Is, and I'm going to say this, reinforce where needed. Reinforce where needed. Maybe it's, that, it's just a 5% increase. What, what does 5% more in your relationships this month, this month mean? What does 5% in your schedule, in your routine, in your activity mean for your relationships this month? What is, and, and let's do the reverse for those who've, who intrusion has like, it's like what does 5% of a little bit of personal space to give me uh, rhythm and rest in my relationships also mean. And then reinforce means this too. If you're going through a really, really difficult time in your marriage or in your relationships or in general, seek out support and counsel. You will not reinforce this by yourself. You will not reinforce the, 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 the results of isolation by more isolation. It's not going to happen. Reinforced by seeking out support. That might mean through a friend. It might mean through a counselor. It might mean through pastoral support. It might mean through trusted mentors. It might mean through professional counseling. I'm not sure, but to seek out support, to reinforce. And it, and it comes down to this. And how we appropriate this is, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to lead us, is this. though God has designed us to flourish in relationships. And God has designed relationships to flourish. God didn't create relationships to fail. God created relationships to flourish. 
And God designed us to flourish in relationships. Doesn't mean you have to have 100 people on your friend list. It doesn't mean that you have to be a, the party goer or the life of the party. But there's this, the way we've been wired, we read it in Genesis chapter 2. God has designed us to flourish in relationships. God has designed relationships to flourish. My prayer is that we don't allow the last 15, 16 months to rob us of the, this healthy part of our life. Whether it's in our friendship, friendships, single or married, whether it's in our marriages, whether it's in our family, whether it's in our neighborhood, whether it's even in the church, that we make these steps and, and allow for, for change and growth. Let's pray. God, I can imagine that there's um, a variety of scenarios in the people listening today. That for some, it's around their friendships or relationships or coworkers. For some, it has something to do with a sibling or a son or a daughter. For some, it's the way they're feeling distant at work or maybe even feeling distant at church. God, for some, it could be as difficult and tragic as a marital breakdown, betrayal, the spiraling down of a very significant relationship. God, you know, you know each and every situation. And we invite your Holy Spirit to lead us to help us to recognize, to search our hearts in the areas of our lives where maybe we have been shaped or shifted over this last 15, 16 months negatively. God, open our eyes, our hearts to see, to recognize. Search our hearts, God. Search our thoughts. Help us to recognize these things in us, Lord. Help us to look to the life of Jesus in his ability to be in and out of these different relational spaces. And God, if, there, if there's fear involved, oh God, I pray against the fear. I pray against the fear. Lord, give us boldness. Cautious boldness where needed to make some of these steps. And God, where some of us need to just reach out, reach out to you daily, lean in to your word consistently, but also reach out to one another, to each other in the church, maybe even a step further in something, in some kind of counsel, God. I pray that you just, Lord, give us the, the, the courage to, to make those steps. And then, God, I just, I thank you. I thank you for how you have designed us to flourish in relationships and how you have designed relationships to flourish for our benefit. We are so grateful that in your wisdom, in your love, in your power, in your creativity, you have designed life and humanity in this way. And we see how that even increases as part of your church and your kingdom and your community. Rooted in you, Lord. 
We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.